Hey, church family. My name is Nick Mastrud. I pastor our high school students. Let me just say it is such an honor to be here to share with you today. Um, the week after the celebration of Easter, when Jesus conquered sin and death and was raised from the grave, showing that nothing can hold him down. We indeed are a saved people when we put our hope and our trust and our faith in him. And last week, if you, if you weren't here in person, let me just say that it was so beautiful. We saw person after person giving their lives to Christ, entering the waters of baptism in obedience. And I believe and I sense that heaven was legitimately erupting in praise, giving glory to God for the work that, that is being done in and through this church. So praise God. Um, before we move any further, I just wanna pray, um, just thank God for what happened last week and just pray for what he might have in store for right now. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for the ways that you have just captivated our hearts and the hearts of so many um, as we've reflected on Easter and experienced Easter. Yes, we, we've seen you raised from the dead, but we actually experience that in our very lives today, present day. And for, for that, we give you honor and glory and praise. And God, whatever you have in store for us, we're all coming from different places. There's different stories. And I just pray wherever we're coming from today that you would just intersect in that story and that you would speak directly to us. Jesus, we offer this time as an act of worship to you. Speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are, post-resurrection Sunday. And the question that came to my mind is, now what? Now what? Like in the church culture, like hype kind of shifts a little bit. So now what? What did the followers of Jesus do after Jesus had, had raised from the dead and shown himself? Where, where did he go after that? Did he die again? Um, or what were the things that he said when he was back on earth, back out of the grave? Well, in order to explain what happened and to invite you into what God has called his people into, we're gonna spend some time reflecting on some of Jesus's famous last words. I don't mean his famous last words before his crucifixion, which are powerful and absolutely meaningful, but his last words before ascending into heaven. And I'll begin like this. Last words carry weight. Last words hold weight. That's why we even have the term famous last words. If you've ever researched famous last words, there are some extremely profound last words. And if you look it up, there's actually some absolutely ridiculous last words recorded, but they hold weight because they were the conclusion of things in a sense. They are the closest words that we have attached to the person that we hold dear or value. They, they are often viewed as a treasure to us. They are the closest thing that we can recall. The last words of Jesus before departing from earth was really an answer to this question. If Jesus had one last thing to share or to invite his saved people into, what would it be? These words of Jesus are weighty. They're significant. They are worth holding on to. They, they, they were parting words saying farewell. Here's the message you need to hear. They were an invitation. They were a culmination of a ton of different things. They were an answer to a billion different questions. It was a manifesto of how to proceed in this world until his final return. When he ascended into heaven, we were left with the answer to this question, now what? 
And here we are, Jesus's famous last words. If you have your scriptures, pull those out. Matthew 28, let's start in verse 18. It says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's saved people are sent people. God's saved people are saved for a purpose. For some of you today, you have just recently given your lives to to Jesus. And, And this is gonna fall on fresh ears for you. Praise be to God for that. But there are also some people listening in today and, and I'm tempted to be in this boat too. And, and your thought might be, Nick, I know, I know, I know. I've heard this a thousand times. And my prayer for this moment is that if your posture today is, I know, I know, I know, my prayer is that, that our posture would begin to shift from I'll know to I'll go. I'll go. My hunch is that some of you have been saved and you've been waiting for the right opportunity and for the right place and for the right circumstance to be sent, to find your niche in ministry. But my encouragement for you, for you is to make today the day that you are sent right now. Make today the day that you choose to use your times, your time, your talents, your treasures for the advancement of the gospel throughout our world, throughout your world. We are saved people to be sent people. The saving power of Jesus, it mobilizes his people into the world. The option now that we are saved is not like, can you go or or will you go or should you go? The emphatic command and invitation is as Jesus rescued you from the death grips of sin, as he has done that, now go. The, The use of the verb go here is literally defined as you are going, as you are going about life. Make it your effort and your life's aim to share the goodness you've experienced in Jesus with others. Going is non-optional for a follower of Jesus. Jesus has done the saving, and now what we see here in his last words, he's doing the sending. This might be an unpopular message to hear, but my conviction is not to give you a popular message, but to inspire this radical shift in your life pursuits to accomplish the mission that Jesus has left us with. As a follower of Christ, we have actually sacrificed the right to determine the direction of our lives. It's a pretty unpopular message right there. We've written God a blank check and said, it's all on the table, no strings attached, our plans, our possessions, our bank accounts, our lifestyle, our future, our dreams, our ambitions, our sexuality, it's all on the table. I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it well when he, he famous, famously coined this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Die to your old self, die to your old mission in life, die to what you used to live for so that you can truly Live. Jesus, whatever you want, wherever you need me to go, here I am, send me. Friends, this isn't an invitation for super Christians or overly mature Christians or overseas missionaries. This calling is for all who are saved. Every person confessing Jesus as the Lord of their lives. This is what it means to follow him. 
and he is worthy of it all. Every last bit of it, our lives spent for his glory is the best life we could possibly live. It doesn't come without hardship, of course, but it's the life that we were created for and it's the life that we were saved for. In our cultural moment, this mission of going into the world is growing in difficulty. It's becoming increasingly difficult. People have done some damage in this world in the name of Jesus and have not made our jobs easier in this time. In fact, you and I are gonna feel and probably already feel this temptation to be a little more subtle with our faith. Have you felt this? A little more subtle to, to not bring up the good news of Jesus and the hope we have in him because of fear of how somebody might interpret it. You know what I'm talking about? I hate that, that awful things have been done in the name of Jesus, but we cannot live a privatized faith. We cannot live a privatized faith with a resurrected Lord and resurrection life on offer for everybody who hears it and believes it. I'm not saying that we need to be Bible thumping and unwise individuals, but what I am saying is that now more than ever, we need to grow in discernment and boldness with the gospel message, both with our speech, but with our actions. May our love for people and our hope in the risen Lord drive our efforts to go into this world. May our fears of rejection not cripple our loving witness to this world. May, may we shout it out that there is indeed salvation and hope and life eternal on offer for any and every person that puts their, their trust and their hope in him. David Platt, a pastor and missionary, you may have heard of him, was talking to some missionaries um, that had been sent to the heart of the Middle East where it could be very dangerous to go for the purposes of, of spreading the gospel. And in one conversation with this couple, um, this couple told him this. They said, people think we're being reckless here, but I think we are in far greater danger of playing it safe in contemporary Christianity than we are here. Our greatest threat to being a sent people is bowing at the altar of safety or comfort or leisure. We are more safe submitting to the plans of God than we are playing it safe with our own plans. To follow Jesus is to hold loosely to the things of this world. And friends, that is hard. Our comforts, our careers, our possessions, our power, our positions— our family, friends, safety, our very selves to hold those loosely and to cling tightly to the person and the mission of Christ and his kingdom. Giving God this blank check of our lives, it might sound radical. Like, wow, Nick, you're, you're really going off there. That sounds pretty crazy. And it, it might not make sense until we start to get to know who Jesus is. Christ the king who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a pretty big deal. Who laid it all down for you and I, climbed off his throne to come down here, who defeated death. When we know this, laying down our lives is the only thing that makes sense. In Matthew 13, 44, it's a story. There's this man who stumbles upon some treasure that's buried in this ground. He covers it up really quickly and he goes home. He sells everything that he has. It says he does this with joy and gladness. He's like, woohoo, like selling all of his stuff. His, 
neighbors, I was trying to think of this, like practically how this went down. His neighbors are probably thinking, dude, Jeff has straight up lost his mind. <laughs> He's over there like smiling and like selling all of his stuff. What in the world is he doing? And I, I imagine they probably went over it at some point, like, Jeff, what in the world are you doing? He's probably like, dude, you see that field over there? I'm buying that. Dude, why in the world are you buying that? Dude, are you, sh- like, you should think about this. I imagine Jeff being like, dude, I, I have a hunch. I have a hunch, just trust me. Friends, we have something that is worth losing everything for. A good litmus test or self-test to see if we're living as sent people is rather easy. How we live shows us what we believe. How you live is what you believe. Like the rest is just talk. I've had seasons in my life and still do at times when what I'm saying out of my mouth isn't in sync with my actions. In high school, I'd say with my mouth, like, Jesus is Lord. Maybe you've said this as well. Sure didn't look like it when I was at the skate park, right? Uh, I would say with my mouth, Jesus leads my life. I'd even lead worship, right? But it sure didn't seem like it in my dating relationship at that time. I was reading about a strange baptism practice that was allowed by the church when the Knights of Templar in like the 1300s would be baptized. When the, when the church would be baptized, one of the, one of the knights would come up and they, they would be baptized with their sword. But instead of the sword going under the water with them, they would, they would hold it out of their head, up above their head, out of the water. They would be baptized and hold it out. They would be immersed, the, the sword wouldn't. It was the knight's way of saying to Jesus, you can control me, but you can't have this. Jesus, I'm all yours, but who I am and what I do on the battlefield, how I use this sword, that's not part of the deal. If that was still the practice today, we might not hold up a sword, but my guess is that many of us would hold up a wallet. Some of us would hold up a remote control. Others would hold up their laptop. Others a cell phone. Others a dating relationship or a weekly schedule or our retirement plan. And Jesus bumped into a lot of people like this in, in his time. And, and he would see people saying anything and everything. I give it to you. But Jesus has this way of pointing things out that, that we might be skipping over or we might be holding back behind our backs. And, and he has a way of saying, well, what, what about that though? I, I, I get, yeah, it's cute, like everything. What about that though? For Nicodemus, it was his religious reputation. For, for the rich young ruler, it was his possessions and money. For one man, it seems to be his family relationships that, he, that held him back. They are willing to follow Jesus, but the relationship wasn't exclusive. They're holding on to some things from their past. Jesus doesn't want followers who have a divided affection or a split allegiance. And so Jesus points to what you most value and are most concerned with and says, what about that? And friends, hear me out. This is not a guilt or shame thing. Jesus is absolutely in love with you. He, he died to have a relationship with you, but he has a really, really hard time sharing his heart with anyone else. In scripture, it says that he's a jealous God. He, will not, he won't settle for anything less than your complete devotion and heartfelt affection. Friends, he's, he's worthy of it. 
the, the reason Jesus is so adamant about followers of him surrendering everything is because of this reality right here. The one thing we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that has the most potential to become a substitute for him. Wouldn't you agree? The things we hold closely vary for each one of us. Um, but I would say here in America, some of the top ones, uh, comfort, leisure, success, prestige, recognition. I think those are at the top for our modern day, but we can gladly give those up with joy when Jesus is the one that we follow. Suffering and hardship, I hate to break it to you, they're inevitable, but God's plans are unstoppable. Paul promises us this. He's like, dude, guaranteed suffering will come your way. Hardship will come. And in doing so, great, you're sharing in Christ's afflictions. Like we're becoming little Christs. That's literally what Christian means, little Christs. Yes, we share in his affliction, but also we share in his comfort. Suffering may be inevitable, but God's plans and purposes are unstoppable. As we continually envision glory with God, let's joyfully embrace earthly and momentary hardships with God, knowing that he is for us. And because of that, nothing can come against us. C.T. Studd, this, he's a stud, uh, English missionary in China, India, Africa. Listen to how, how he put it about this response of why we should go. Um, and he, here's what he says. He says, too long we've been waiting for one another to begin. The time of waiting has passed. The hour of God has struck. In God's holy name, let us arise and build. The God of heaven will not or the God of heaven will fight for us as we for him. We will not build on sand, but on a bedrock of the sayings of Jesus and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Should such people as we fear before the world, before the sleepy, lukewarm, faithless, weak Christian world, we will dare to trust our God. We will venture all for him. We will live and we will die for him and we will do it with his joy unspeakable, singing aloud in our hearts. We will a thousand times sooner die trusting only our God than live trusting in man. And when we come to this position, the battle is already won and the end of the glorious campaign is in sight. This guy embodies a beautiful resistance against our culture of apathy. We have nothing to fear because we're in the hands of the ultimate protector of our souls, the advocate Jesus who protects us with his perfect cleansing blood. Sure, we might experience earthly hardships, some bodily hardships, but our souls are preserved by the savior of the world. Praise be to God. So now what? Jesus proves his sovereignty by becoming a suffering servant. He, he raises from the dead. He roams the earth for 40 days. He states the obvious. I'm a pretty big deal. All authority like here or there, it's been given to me. And basically he's saying, I'm more than worthy of being heard and obeyed. And his command is this, go and make disciples. Teach others to obey just as you have learned to obey and baptize them. Bring new believers into the family of God. That's your new life pursuit. This isn't the job of the church staff. This isn't the job of overseas missionaries. This is the lifestyle of anybody who claims Jesus as the Lord of their life. I lead youth ministry, high school youth ministry here at Cedar Mill. 
and the middle schoolers and high schoolers have been together in this season, and we've been walking through the book of Acts. And I've got to say that we have some of the most bold and resilient and relentless students I have ever seen in my life. We have students laying down their reputations, putting their time on offer, starting pretty scary conversations with coworkers and classmates. They are intentionally going out of their way to share the good news of the gospel because they've realized that the good news of Jesus is too good to keep to themselves. They're like, I got to do something with this. Every week we have students, we've been having students come up on this very stage and stand right here and share gospel stories of how they've stepped out in faith. And then as a youth group, we've been praying that that would continue and actually lead to the saving and the salvation of many. And I could tell you story after story of how students have turned their normal everyday lives into their mission field. They hear Jesus saying, go. And what do they do? They're going. And friends, I, don't get me wrong. This is not a flex on my leadership in youth ministry. This is a flex on what God can do through those who make themselves available to his leadership. These students are changing the world. It's become an adventure for them. Don't get me wrong. It, it's not always just super glamorous, but it is profoundly beautiful. It's the work God intends for all who follow him. So let's think about this practically for a minute. What does this mean for you and I personally? If we are to take Jesus's famous last words seriously, what are the implications for you and I on a day-to-day basis? Here are a few questions that I would challenge you to ask yourself. First one is this, where do I need to go? Maybe you literally need to move somewhere. Where do I need to go? Of the world, um, the world makes up 16,000 people groups. And of those 16,000, 6,000 people groups are considered unreached. That is 42.2% of the world's population is unreached. That's 3.14 billion people. Has God put a place or a people on your heart? Maybe you need to answer that call to go into the ends of the earth in this case as you have known it. This might sound radical, but it's Jesus's invitation that you would go. Answer that call. Another question, who is my sphere of influence or who has God placed in my life? This is now your calling. You now have a mission field, the people in and around your life, coworkers, classmates, family members, grocery checker, the the barista at the coffee shop, the guy pumping your gas. God wants to use you where he has you. Are you being used where you're at right now? When you say yes to Jesus, you embark on the greatest adventure of a lifetime because there is no telling when and where and how God might use you in any given moment. The only thing it takes is an available heart and a willing spirit. Think through the people God has placed in and around your life. And as you are going, make it your aim to make much of Jesus for the purpose of saved souls and people encountering the living God. Another question, what resources can I offer? What can I, how can I leverage the resources I have? How can I be creative in using my time, talents, and treasures to make disciples? Don't forget that you are blessed to be a blessing in this world. God doesn't just give to you. He actually gives to the world through you. 
I, I've seen this done beautifully in this church family. It's one of the things that drew me to this church to begin with, the most generous people I have ever seen on display for the glory of God. I wanna encourage you with the scriptures. Don't grow weary in doing good. Press into that. Your intentional generosity speaks volumes of the kind of God that we serve to the people around you. Another question, what's holding me back from following Jesus's command to go? Take an honest self-evaluation. What is it that's holding me back from going? Maybe for you, it's been hard to go as Jesus commands because you're burdened by the weight of a sin struggle. Like what is the thing that you would be tempted to hold out of the water of baptisms, of baptism like the Knights of Templar? Maybe the first thing you need to do is, is to confess and repent and proclaim Jesus as Lord of your life and Lord over the thing that you would be holding out. And, and maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's you're just super fearful. Like the what ifs are super loud in your subconscious and you're like, dude, sounds appealing, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. Maybe the cost seems too high. My encouragement would be talk with God about that. Bring that to God. Say, God, this is terrifying to me. Reflect on the reward of what, what might come out of your surrender. Converse with God about that. Find someone that you can bring this to and say, listen, this has been on my heart. Bring it to a friend. Iron sharpens iron. Allow somebody to step into your life and help sharpen you in this time. Identify what is holding you back. Bring it to God. Bring it to others. As we wrap up today, let me say this. Jesus's famous last words have reverberated through history since the day he uttered those words. And his intent is that his saved people would be sent people. Now, friends, go. With joy, may you offer it all. May Jesus's famous last words become the commission and the assignment of your life. Thanks for joining us today.